Let's work. Yo, it's go time, show time, never back in downtime. One shot, yo, make it count, yo. Crunch time, shine time, make this moment my time. Get a grip, yo, ready, set, go. We bring the thunder! Welcome to the first ever Trash Town Hall, where the underlying question is, is Grace City Church a pagan church? According to lead pastor David Belcher, that is a resounding yes. A few months ago, a little birdie sent me the link to the dumpster fire that is Chelan Bible Church's Truth Town Hall. As you might expect, they are full of bigotry, arguments against basic equality, and even some quotes from Vladimir Lenin. I've watched all four of these flaming garbage pile videos. But the one about addressing neo-paganism really had my jaw on the floor because it was filled with some pretty unhinged what this man would probably consider values. Just so you're aware, they do have a youth program. I think what surprised me the most was his anger at worship music. Now, I can't stand the stuff myself personally, but that's because I burst into flames while listening to it. No, I just don't align with the the messaging anymore in the music. It may surprise you to hear, but I was raised Catholic in a very conservative household. I had 12 years of Catholic schooling, so when I listen to people quote scripture, I know what they're talking about, and I know the actual origins of the passages, which in many cases are badly mistranslated or just straight up changed from the original context in order to fit a narrative. It's why there are more than 50 versions of the Bible being used today. I'm not going to spend too much time on the background of the Chelan Bible Church, just that it was founded, according to the Secretary of State, in the 1950s. And the current iteration run by David Belcher and Nick Longmire, who is also a Chelan School District employee, really took roots around 2018. And they refer to themselves as new, even though their SOS paperwork says it was founded in 1950. So these are new values they are trying to sink into our local community. For any non-locals watching, Chelan Bible Church is located in Chelan, Washington a small tourist town that draws over 2 million visitors uh, each year, according to Lichland.com. There's a huge list of activities like boat and watercraft rentals, fishing, a water park, vineyards, and an active downtown that gets pretty rowdy during spring break and summer. I personally grew up on Lake Chelan, visiting every summer uh, and all through the holidays until my parents moved there when I was 17 nearly 20 years ago. So this town is a very special place in my heart uh, and exactly why this sort of rhetoric from Westboro Baptist wannabes really pissed me off. I know many of you thought I was new to the area, but I'm not. Surprise. For locals, you may have heard the name Schland Bible Church because they held another quote-unquote truth town hall called Addressing the LGBTQIA+, where they talk about the morality of the queer community. This was held during Pride Month. And in response, some amazing people from Chelan stepped up and started Chelan Pride, holding a little mini festival across the street. During the town hall last June, while the mini festival was going on across the street, Pastors allowed a transgender child to be deadnamed and outed on a live feed. They did not take down the feed for weeks, even though the child's father asked them to protect the child's safety and privacy. It wasn't until our intrepid local reporter, Dominic Bonney, wrote an article calling them out that they then edited that part of the video out. You can find links to all four of their trash town halls in the sources for this video. Let me know if those links are ever taken down, because I did take the time to screen record them in their entirety. So, you know, I didn't take anything out of context. Now, you might be wondering why I'm starting with the fourth video rather than the first. Well, honestly, the other three are pretty low hanging fruit. The first video is supposed to be addressing CRT and social Marxism. The second, queer bigotry. And the third is abortion. 
we already know by reading those titles what's going to be in them because it will follow the exact same formula that the extreme Christian white nationalists use as a playbook in order to engage the rage. And I'll get there, trust me. This will be a series where we talk about the biblical passages he quotes and what he means when he says certain buzzwords. I really wanted to dig into this dude's views on neo-paganism or really paganism in general because it serves as the perfect base lens to view the other three. Little Davy Belcher fucked up a lot on this stream because he said so much of the quiet part out loud that he's going to piss off both conservatives and progressives with his little soapbox pulpit. I think one of my favorite parts was when he said this. I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but it's the truth. There is no such thing as a female pastor. I'll give you the context as we go, but that's actually the parting comment of the entire video. And it gets worse when you hear the rest of what he has to say, and specifically his feelings about women overall. So to inaugurate these segments, I'm going to call them Trash Town Halls. Let's get started. This Trash Town Hall is breaking down Chelan Bible Church's longest video, which has 27 minutes of dead air at the beginning. This town hall is supposed to address neo-paganism, and in the opening introduction at 28 minutes, Nick Longmire tells us what his definition is. My name is Pastor Nick. Tonight we're going to be addressing the topic of neo-paganism from a biblical worldview. Neo meaning new, and pagan meaning non-Christian thoughts, beliefs, and traditions. Uh, since we are viewing from this, this from a biblical worldview tonight, we're going to be visiting how neo-paganism um, is making its way into the church. This topic is much easier navigated when it is evaluated from a biblical worldview. Biblical worldview. Biblical worldview. He said, Neo is new and pagan as anything non-Christian. Not anything polytheistic or anything holding beliefs that stray from recognized religions, but anything non-Christian. However, as Belcher clarifies later, what they really mean is anything that doesn't follow their specific brand of Christianity, which includes mega seeker sensitive churches like our local Grace City Church. And ironically, Belcher, of course, doesn't follow all the rules he lays out as paramount to worshiping his God either. But we'll get to that. Most people recognize pagan religions as those who have a pantheon of gods they pray to. That's the current expectation when someone says they are pagan. These would be religions like Wicca, Neo-Druidism, Discordianism, Celtic Reconstructionist Paganism, Slavic Native Faith, Hellenism, and heathenry, to name a few. When Belcher takes the stage, he begins by setting up his definition of pagan, except he incorrectly says the root word of pagan is ethnos. At the very root word of paganism, you see this in the Bible from the Greek word ethnos, which essentially has a, a number of uh, understandings to it. When you see the word Gentiles, Greeks, nations, it is always talking about paganism, the nations that surround the people of Israel, the nations and the people that are not under the authority of God's law. Those of us who attended elementary school know that the root of a word is already in the word ethnos which means ethnic group, is not in the word pagan. It is very telling that he uses ethnic group as synonymous with pagan, because that will be important later. The real root word of pagan is pagus, which in Latin literally just means country or district. Later, it became paganus, which means villager or rustic, you know, the plebs. And then in Christian Latin, it began to mean heathen. Heathen at that time was anyone not enrolled in the army of Christ, referring to the Crusades, Templars, and many, many, many bloody battles Christians fought in the infancy of their religion. But that doesn't fit his narrative, so he used a different word. Belcher also decided to lump in a bunch of different words as meaning the same thing. His choice on which to use are very interesting. See the word Gentiles, Greeks, nations. It is always talking about paganism. The he incorrectly defines the word ethnos to be synonymous with Gentiles, Greeks, 
nations, and that ethnos is always referring to pagans. Very specifically, he includes Gentiles, which, if you have studied the Bible, you know that Gentiles actually means non-Jewish. So by essentially including Jews here, he's calling Jewish people pagans as well, which will be very important later when he actually talks about how Jews will not be getting into heaven. Um, so th there is going to be Jewish people that are saved. Um, they are not redeemed right now if they only believe that you're right by God according to the law, because we, we know according to the gospel that we're only right with God by coming to Christ. And, uh, um, you know, Isaiah chapter 53, if you're, if you're witnessing to a, to a Jewish person, that has got to be the preeminent chapter to talk to a Jewish person about is the suffering servant, the Messiah that came. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so important. We should be supportive of them. We should be considerate of them. We should pray for them. We should love them. Right? So these things that we're talking about correcting here, we have all in some capacity lived in our life until we came to the knowledge of Christ and are saved. So, yeah. Because for some reason, people need to be reminded that Jesus Christ, or as I like to call him, JC, was not Christian. So does that mean that JC is pagan? And since Gentiles are synonymous with pagan, that also means Christians are pagan. Right from the start, this dude bro has no idea what he's saying. He just wants to fit the words into his little narrative. I mean, most people wouldn't consider Lutherans pagans either, but Belcher does. Um, how, what would you describe if you were to look at the state of the different churches in the world right now, what would you say would be more pagan uh, denominations or pagan base compared to, say, a true biblical church? Right. I mean, there's seeker friendly, there's the yeah. Apostolic Reformation, there's, you know, Catholics, there's the Mormons, there, you know, there's, there's a whole variety. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it, it's easier to, to describe what's true than what's counterfeit because there's so, just so many uh, options of counterfeit. Denominations are as, as relevant as things like liberal theology that is infecting denominations. And there are certain people in those denominations that are standing firm, and they're kind of like a remnant from the Old Testament. Uh, a good example would be like Lutheranism. You know, Martin Luther was a reformer of the church. Well, what his denomination has become today is nothing like what he started it on, right? And there are some, some denominational Lutherans that are uh, historically conservative, Bible-believing, uh, uh, Bible-authority-sufficient uh, believing uh, Christians, but the vast majority aren't. And so I think the easiest way for us to discern what is true is by seeing a local church that holds to the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture, that they don't massage their way out of the truth of God's Word. Um, it's not an anything goes kind of thing. So because of the normative way of worship in churches, that is basically open the door to absolutely essentially anything. Yes, yeah, so open that door and whatever, do whatever you want. Come on in. Uh, gay marriages and, and uh, uh, homosexuals being baptized. Baptism is a, is a public symbolic act of your salvation in Christ. A homosexual is not saved. They're still living in sin. Uh, they can be saved. One of the main reasons for this is because many Lutheran churches allow gay marriages and gay baptism. Because also, according to Belcher, you can't be baptized if you're still living a life of sin. So sorry, anyone who works to collect taxes. I guess you can't possibly be a Christian either. Sorry, anyone with a tattoo or likes to eat bacon or shellfish, wears clothes made of multiple fibers and has had a divorce. I guess you'll never be saved in your own religion. But wait, the list gets weirder. Music. Belcher hates worship music and says that only very specific instruments can be used in worship music for it to count as worship. And if they use anything else, anyone who goes to that church isn't worshiping properly and therefore not able to find salvation. Throughout this entire oration, there is a common theme, the binary that repeats over and over. I'm going to break it down into two categories. 
that essentially every person in the world is in one of two categories. And the Bible addresses this very clearly. Uh, men and women, as it says in Genesis 1.27, we see this in Psalm 1. Uh, the two types of people, the, the righteous man and the unrighteous man, that the righteous man follows after God's law and the unrighteous man rejects God's law. Two routes. You can be on the narrow route or you can be on the wide route that leads to destruction. The narrow route is the Christian route. It is according to God's authority and God's law. The wide route that leads to destruction is the pagan route. There are only two options in life. There is the Christian option, and then there is the pagan option, which there is only one right way to worship God, and there are endless ways of how to not worship God. He says that everyone is either a child of God there or a no child of Satan. for Belcher. There is only one right way to worship God, his way, which is the only path to salvation, by the way, which is fantastic because he can't even live up to his own standards. It's part of why many fundamentalist churches like this don't actually try to define things, because then their entire falls apart, especially when he says stuff like this. Ultimately, there are only two religions in the whole world. There is the religion of Christianity, which is a religion of divine grace. And then there is the religion of Satan, which is paganism. Did you catch that? You worship his way, or you're a pagan, which in his mind is synonymous with Satanism. So even if you are a Christian, you're a Satanist. Got it. Belcher uses God's authoritative word a lot, which he defines as the word set down in the Bible. Now, throughout this entire trash town hall, he quotes from multiple Bibles, but most often from the New International Version. This one is really popular with evangelicals because it was written in 1978, not supposedly based on previous Bibles, by the way, revised minorly in 1984 and went through a major revision in 2011. I find this super fun because he even mentions the passage in Revelations where if you change any single word in the Bible, you won't be led to salvation. The whole reason the NIV was released in 1978 is it was in response to the free love of the 60s, the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973, the women's right movements, as well as the rise in Wiccan book publications making their way to the U.S. So there's a very specific reason that this version of the Bible is popular with evangelicals even if it is the most removed from the actual translations from the original texts, because it was written with specific issues to combat. Now, I personally grew up on the King James Bible myself, which was written in 1611. Yeah, it's Old English, and it has its own problematic mistranslations to fit its own narrative at the time, but cherry-picking Bible quotes from the newest version of the Bible which in no way is less mistranslated, problematic, and is definitely created to fit their own narratives, especially having been rewritten majorly in 2011. That's pretty classic hypocrisy. And I think we can guess how God's authoritative word feels about that, right? One of the first passages he talks about is Matthew 5, which is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And when he said that Jesus spoke of pagans, I was confused. Remember, I was raised on the KJV, not the revised KJV. So I went to BibleGateway.com, which has more than 50 versions of the Bible that are searchable. So I searched the word pagan in the KJV, and sure enough, not a single hit. The King James Version doesn't use the word pagan because back then it didn't mean what it means today. They did have the word heathen in there a few times, which we know is reference to anyone not in Christ's army. So I went to the version he was quoting from the NIV, and I did find the word pagan in the passage he was talking about. Then I went to the KJV, and guess what? The New International Version switches out publican for pagan. A publican was a tax collector. Jesus, as we know, isn't a huge tax collector fan. Yeah, he said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but he also compares tax collectors to some of the lowest forms of life in his speeches. This evidently is also synonymous with pagans, and so is swapped out in some of the newer versions of the Bible in order to continue a narrative that pagans are somehow morally bankrupt. 
even though that wasn't really in the original texts. A lot of the way Jesus referred to undesirables in the Bible was actually comparing them to local feuds. It was how he broke things down for people to understand. The parable of the Good Samaritan? The dude was from Samaria, which was supposedly a well-known, morally bankrupt place then. And that is how J.C. spoke to his people when he traveled. He would change the people he was talking about in his examples. So in one city, it might have been the publicans, and in another, it was the Samaritans. But little David Belcher didn't talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan once, not even once, in this entire trash town hall. Why? Because the Samaritans were a pagan sect, and that didn't fit his narrative that only his way of worship will get you to salvation. He does this repeatedly, shifting to different Bibles to find the verses he wants, but mainly sticks with what seems to be the New International Version. The most common word that he switches out is Gentile, again, which means non-Jewish. The next passage he refers to is Matthew 6, chapter 7, which he says is talking about lifestyle, when in actuality the chapter is about prayer. And he doesn't start at the beginning because the first line in that chapter is, be careful not to practice your own righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In fact, right before the verse he quotes about using meaningless words to pray with, it urges people to pray in private because Praying loudly in public makes you a hypocrite. You see, you shouldn't need people to witness you, but he probably doesn't think that applies to him because he's a shepherd, not a lowly attendee, except it doesn't make that distinction in the Bible, does it? Now, works righteousness comes up a lot. And then there is the religion of Satan, which is paganism. And ultimately, that is a religion of a works based system that gives freedom when you come to Christ. Works-based religion, on the other hand, does a great job of serving the agenda of a pagan government, which is control. Now, what that means is you can't give your money to charity to get into heaven, right? Like you can't buy your way in. You need to actually do the work to follow the Christian tenets. We know that JC aimed that kind of talk at rich people who tithe to their churches and donate money, but don't actually try and make their community better. Now. Belcher seems to define it a little more nuanced and more in line with how Martin Luther defined it, as in you can't just be doing the work, you also have to follow his way. Like you can't be anything other than Christian and conduct yourself as a good person and be saved. You have to follow this guy's specific tenets. So for example, say you're a good person, like a much better person than Belcher because you're not a bigot, for one. You actually work to better yourself, your community. You work with nonprofits. You do your best to never harm anyone in any way. You devote your life to the service of making your community better for everyone. None of that matters. None of it. Being a good person and doing good things doesn't matter unless you are in this dude's specific sect of Christianity. It's wild. Remember, he said that there is only one right way to worship his God, and any other way is Satanism. Belcher continues berating everyone not worshiping his God the way he thinks it should be done by calling them all materialistic and sex-depraved. Now, every sexual immorality verse he mentions is actually talking about incest, but the depravity he continues to reference is homosexuality, of course. We live in a culture today that is steeped in depression and anxiety and the pursuit of money and lust and status and fame and self-image. That is a pagan pursuit. But what he's, what he's ultimately saying is, is we recognize that the pagans, the pagan practice outside of the Christian faith is highly immoral, probably seen coexist, that everyone should exist on a low level and really not have any standard of belief. And if you do have a standard of absolute truth, well, then you're judgmental and you're kicked out of that group. So um, a, la a lack of authority established in a family, a lack of stability, uh, a high divorce rate. Um, in the 1980s, the Ten Commandments, God's authoritative uh, um, moral ordinance to everyone taken out of the public square all of those things have served to create a vacuum for uh, paganism. The entrance of Roe v. Wade, the uh, ap approval of gay marriage, all of those things are pagan. 
Killing your children and abortion, that's pagan. That's, that's child sacrifice. Um, homosexuality and gay marriage, that's sexual immorality as seen in the Old Testament. And those two practices, those two pagan practices, which they were legitimate religious pagan practices from false gods in the, in the Old Testament, uh, paganism does not like to hold an absolute standard with regards to right and wrong. Instead, what we'll do is we will establish our right and our wrong. And if uh, we don't like a certain standard, even though it might be traditionally correct or even historically Christian correct, well, we'll just change that because we, we don't like that. And that's what we call today progressivism. If you look at uh, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what does Paul say? Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, the homosexual, the uh, adulterer will not inherit the kingdom of God. Belcher even says you can't party with anyone not of his sect. Because when you party with pagans, you're partying with the devil. And remember, everything else except for his church, his specific church, is pagan. He uses 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20 for this, which talks about not attending pagan feasts because their sacrifices are to the wrong God. So you don't want to share in the sacrifice to the wrong God because you know, sacrificial rites happened with Jewish and Christians alike back then. They were basically barbecues, kill, cook, and eat a goat or a cow in thanks. Belcher quotes two words from 1 Corinthians 11, examine yourself as a way to demonstrate how to make sure you're following the right path. But he ignored everything else in this chapter, including the fact that it demands women cover their heads in church as well as during prayer. And men's heads are supposed to be uncovered. The punishment for a woman to pray with an uncovered head is to have her head shaved and then be forced to wear a hat all the time in shame. I didn't see any women in his church wearing hats during his prayers, so I'm going to go ahead and assume he doesn't enforce that little ditty. He also skipped over the part in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 11 to 12, that says, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For a woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. This is from Paul, who he continues to quote as delineating between man and woman, except here it sounds like he's advocating for equality. Men wouldn't exist without someone to birth them. Spoiler alert, even some assigned male at birth people can give birth. They are referred to as intersex people and make up 1% of the population. So even setting aside that gender norms are based on society, not people's body parts, there are people who are born with both sets of functioning parts or one set that functions and one that doesn't to make a baby. Despite what the body appears to look like from the outside, transphobic people who base all of their arguments on fourth grade biology or the Bible always leave out intersex people because they don't neatly fit into their narrative and their existence 100% proves their argument wrong. Most of these people have met many intersex people in their life and they just had no idea because no one wants to discuss people's genitals in public except transphobes. Belcher's point about there only being one sanctified way to worship God becomes important later when he continues to harp on God's authority and how he specifically has given very specific instructions that you are supposed to follow in the Bible in order to worship him correctly. Which there is only one right way to worship God and there are endless ways of how to not worship God. There's a, there's a camp, to, basically two camps of how you would worship at church, regulative worship or normative worship. Normative worship means that if you can, it essentially means that whatever is not explicitly said as you can't do in the Bible, then you can do that in worship. Regulative worship is that God has prescribed in the word of God how he is to be worshiped. And uh, w like when we look at the book of Psalms, for example, like we're setting up a choir uh, here soon, and then there's certain instruments that are said to be used. And uh, we see that there's certain ways that God's revealed himself, that we're to praise him in that. Um, those are the regulative ways to worship. Now, again, he's ignoring a lot of the Bible's own info, including that women aren't even allowed to speak in church, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 to 35. There he says that it's a disgrace for women to speak in church and that if they have a question, they should be submissive and ask their husbands at home. 
I wonder if Davy Belcher allows his wife to speak in church. Around the 50 minute mark of this nonsense, he brings what he believes are the virtues of paganism, which are somehow bad. These being tolerance, diversity, equity, and non-discrimination. Virtues of paganism are tolerance. Obviously, if you have no absolute standards of right from wrong, you need to be able to tolerate those people that violate what is right and wrong. Diversity is a big, uh, a, a big virtue of paganism. Equity, ensuring that all assets and all capabilities are leveled out across all playing fields. You know, if you really consider this, God did not create the world equally. And you can see this in a very basic sense, uh, even in the animal kingdom. If you put a cheetah on a zero yard line and a turtle on a zero yard line and lunch on the 50 yard line, they don't have an equal chance of getting the lunch. Um, people are not created with equal size. They're not created with equal intellect, but God has chosen in his wisdom to create the world that way. But pagan, is, pagan beliefs uh, strive to create equity among all. Non-judgment, non-discrimination, is the idea of a pagan concept. And I don't mean this in the sense of how much of the world talks about discrimination today. I mean this in a moral and a spiritual sense. There is a discriminatory factor of being a Christian. Self-help is a huge part of the pagan religion. And the reason it's, it's a huge part of paganism is because there is no hope in it. When there is no absolute truth, there is no absolute salvation. There is no absolute security. And it, they need the, a person that is a practitioner of paganism needs self-help and habit change, ultimately creating a culture of narcissism. Now, what's really funny to me is that while the word tolerance doesn't show up in the Bible, grace does over a hundred times, as does forgive. Somehow, Pasty Davy says that tolerance is a bad thing because what it really means is having no absolute standards of right and wrong, and that you need to be able to tolerate people who violate your idea of right and wrong. Of course, somehow tolerance hits the limit when it comes to Christianity because Davy thinks he needs to be oppressed by pagans as well. No pagan government, as it reaches its ultimate fruition, has ever tolerated a Christian faith-based doctrine. That's a very weird definition of tolerance. And throughout his trash, he even encourages people to tolerate the government because it was put in place by God, even if you don't agree with it. But as clarification, he thinks that tolerance is wrong, which is a really weird flex to make. But then you see this argument of demonizing diversity, equity and tolerance because he thinks it leads to communism. And communism is bad because in the past it led to equal rights for women, which makes him very, very sad. He laments the destruction of the economy and blames it essentially on the women's rights movements of the 70s. Again, a callback to the Bible he is using and the base narrative it teaches. There's a man named Vladimir Lenin in Russia led what was called the Women's Liberation Movement of Soviet Russia. I've read this quote before at church, but let me read it again. <clears throat> we cannot exercise the dictatorship of the proletariat. He's talking about socialism that leads to communism without having millions of women on our side, nor can we engage in communist construction without them. Communism is ultimately at its, at its roots governmentally is a rejection of God. It is inherently atheistic. Communism does not get established without atheistic pagan roots. And what do they want to do in early 1900s in Soviet Russia? Deceive all the women to get them out of the home and they want to get them in the workforce. We must find a way to reach the mass of women who feel themselves exploited, enslaved, and crushed by dom the domination of men, of patriarchy. They should all know that the proletariat dictatorship will mean for them equality of rights with men to where they can work in society. This ends up getting placed in that book, uh, Juvenilization of the American Church. It ends up going through how after World War II, we had started in society and economics that we only needed one income to maintain a home, purchase a home, uh, lead a family. Now, what do you see? You can't purchase a home it, it, under, under average income unless you have two. 
the, the economy has become eroded because of immorality and moving against the authority of God's will. He says that the reason that you can't buy a house on one income anymore is because everyone has two incomes. So it overinflated the market because everyone could buy one. This man has no idea how economics works. I mean, imagine thinking that allowing women equal rights and the ability to work magically doubled the numbers of jobs in the U.S. And that's why the housing market went up. Imagine ignoring 40 years of wage stagnation, corporate greed, recessions, wars, inflations, and being like, this is all women and communism's fault. Like he even quotes Lenin. Now he also has a little under the radar eugenics argument rolled into this as well, when he bemoans striving for equity. Equity, ensuring that all assets and all capabilities are leveled out across all playing fields. You know, if you really consider this, God did not create the world equally. And you can see this in a very basic sense, uh, even in the animal kingdom. If you put a cheetah on a zero yard line and a turtle on a zero yard line and lunch on the 50 yard line, they don't have an equal chance of getting the lunch. Um, people are not created with equal size. They're not created with equal intellect, but God has chosen in his wisdom to create the world that way. But pagan, is, pagan beliefs uh, strive to create equity among all. Arguing against a level playing field has always been a clear eugenics argument because it very quickly turns into not helping the disabled, which very quickly turns into let them fend for themselves and consequently die. The Nazis used the same argument, calling disabled people useless eaters. I will remind everyone watching, especially those with disabilities who may be having a hard time with what this gross human being is spouting, your worth to society and to your community has nothing to do with your ability to compete with others or how much money you can generate for others. We are all in this together. But even if we weren't going to talk about physical disabilities and just learning disabilities or mental health, then this man is arguing for children not to have 504 plans or IEPs or any kind of mental health access. In fact, this dude thinks that self-help is akin to narcissism. He says it's selfish to self-improve. Self-help is a huge part of the pagan religion. And the reason it's, it's a huge part of paganism is because there is no hope in it. When there is no absolute truth, there is no absolute salvation. There is no absolute security. And it, they need the, a person that is a practitioner of paganism needs self-help and habit change, ultimately creating a culture of narcissism, a culture of self-focused people where it's only about them. Right after that, he basically says facts don't care about your feelings by talking about emotivism, except that's all he's been doing, right? Using his feelings to guide this trash town hall. Belcher then begins to talk about the conscience as if that weren't based on feelings. He gets super contradictory here because one moment he says that pagans have no conscience, but then talks about King Abimelech, who he refers to as a pagan in the Bible, having had his conscience stop him from marrying or having sex, depending on the Bible version, with Sarah, Abraham's wife, because that would be adultery, which is very bad in the Bible. However, a fun side note, Incest is used a lot as the basis for sexual depravity and immorality. And Abimelech at one point is like, why did you lie to me and tell me that your wife was your sister? Totally wouldn't have stolen her if you just, you know, told me the truth. Except they didn't lie. Abraham and Sarah are half siblings. So incest, according to the Bible, is fine sometimes. There's a lot of permissive incest in Genesis, though. Belcher also thinks there's no such thing as free will which is weird because that's kind of the whole basis for Christianity is, you know, to choose being saved, right? Like you can't just do it because you're scared of the punishments or whatever. If you don't, you have to buy in freely. You can't be forced to be baptized or it doesn't count. This guy just doesn't seem to even understand his own religion, but he moved back to the binary again, saying there's no free will because it's obey God or don't obey God. No one has a free will. Nobody has free will. 
You've been told for a long time that you have free will, but you don't. What everyone has is a nature. And according to their nature, they behave. Ultimately, no one has a free will. They have a will to obey God or disobey God. Which is still a choice, right? But only if you follow his way of worship or it doesn't count. Belcher's idea of how the role of authority works is clear, though. It's God, man, woman, children. God's authority is in two places to help guide men specifically, the Bible and the government. Women just need to follow their husbands and kids need to listen to both their parents. I'll give you a couple of outlines of what God expects with, with authority of how he's set up authority in the family. Number one, the husband is created as the head of the home. Now, this is something that is absolutely rejected in society today. Pagans hate the idea of patriarchal leadership. Nevertheless, it's how God created society. Secondly, God has created the wife as both the helper to the husband and the keeper of the home. He brings this up because he says pagans hate patriarchal leadership. Never mind some of the very deeply rooted patriarchal pagan sects who are usually also white nationalists and varying flavors of countries, not just the United States. But we've established at this point that Davy Belcher has no idea what he's talking about. Belcher specifically uses Proverbs 31 to support his stances that women were created by God as the wife and helper of the husband and keeper of the home. Every single example he provided in this trash has been immediately shown to be wrong or out of context, and this is no different. When taking the chapter as a whole, you see that it's about how women can add to the home and help advise men not just be submissive. In Proverbs 31, King Lemuel's mother is the voice here and urges him to let people drink away their poverty and misery, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, defend the rights of the destitute, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. Sounds like equity and the basis for socialism to me. Belcher moves into because women are in places of power, we have weak men, and weak men means weak children, which is why millennials hate work and don't listen to their bosses, evidently. In a pagan society, we have all of these anti-authoritarian views where children and teenagers run the show. They tell the parents what to do. And if the parents uphold any standard of authority, well, they must be wrong anti-authoritarian view of not honoring and obeying your parents bleeds directly into society where children who never learn to obey their parents, never learn to obey their school teachers, never learn to obey their principals, and ultimately never learn to obey a boss at work. And you end up with a workforce as we have today that either doesn't know how to work or doesn't want to work or just won't flat listen to instruction at work by the boss. The general idea is that you don't learn what to do at work. Instead, you should be allowed to do what you want to do at work. Definitely not because millennials are finally figuring out their worth and realizing that their work benefits and wages have been completely stripped and stagnated or that sexual harassment in the workplace isn't OK. So they, you know, stand up for themselves. Nah, it has to be because women are in charge and no one wants to work. Belcher actually believes that offering rights and equality to women is deceiving them in order to trick them into leaving the home, as if being financially independent is a bad thing. Of course, we aren't shocked that he brings up Jordan Peterson and Doug Wilson. If you don't know who they are, that's a good thing. Just know that they are right in line with everything this dude says. One important thing Doug Wilson would add is that there's no such thing as sexually assaulting your wife. Though with everything that Belcher has said so far, I'm sure that's right where his feelings are too. At one hour and 27 minutes and 50 seconds of their video, about an hour after it begins, they start a question and answer section. This is usually where things get interesting. And there's only two parts I'm going to talk about. The fifth question and the last question, because most everything else went right in line with everything he had already said. The fifth question was a softball question asked by Nick Longmire. 
the assistant pastor who also works for the Lake Chelan School District. And Belcher dives into how he thinks God wants to be worshipped. And it turns weird really fast, where he seems to judge anyone not in his specific kind of worship really harshly. He specifically calls out churches like Grace City Church, addressing them as mega-seeker-sensitive churches. Like an example of this is that some of these mega churches, uh, and I know this will be offensive, but it's an anything goes. There's no standard. There's no absolutes. Uh, You know, it's a shallow pond and a wide net. And you end up just with a bunch of people that they have no depth or substance to them. And uh, that's unfortunate too. So he thinks that people who go to GCC have no depth or substance. Guess they aren't smart enough to realize that his way of worshiping is far superior, right? During the very last question, this asshat really says the quiet part out loud when a woman in the crowd asks, what about a church that has a female pastor? Is that a pagan church? Now, just his reaction is enough to set my blood boiling. This asshat laughs at the woman before she even finishes her question. The mere idea of a woman leading a church or congregation was hysterical to him, so much so that his face falls suddenly when he realizes she's asking a serious question. And then he has to repeat the question because he's so incredulous that anyone would ask. Watch his facial expression. What about a church that has a lead pastor that is a female? Is that a <laughs> pagan church? <laughs> oh, is that a pagan church? <laughs> is that a pagan church? <laughs> is that a pagan church? <laughs> I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but it's the truth. There is no such thing as a female pastor. His answer is even worse. I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but it's the truth. There is no such thing as a female pastor. He goes on to say that Paul, arguably the most misogynistic disciple, uses the words aner and anthropos to describe who should run the church and preach. He says the directions come from the pastoral epistles, which are letters from Paul to Timothy and Titus around how churches should be run. He says that aner is man, as opposed to anthropos, which means humanity. And that is correct if you are only looking at how the pastoral epistles are translating the word. Aner is Greek, also one of the types of people he was grouping in with the pagans, by the way. But this word is occasionally used in various Bibles in a masculine way, but is not always used only to describe men. Sometimes it's actually gender neutral, meaning mankind, as in humans, not God. Mankind, as we know, doesn't only mean men. It is very common for preachers to lean hard on the difference between aner and anthropos to show that while the church may include women, the leadership can only be men. And this is supported by 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 15, where he says that women are not allowed to lead men. The issue here is this is Paul's directive not God's. Most scholars after the 1700s agree that the epistles were not even actually written by Paul, but by another author telling a story about the formation of the church. He very specifically in all versions that I saw says, I do not permit or I do not allow. This is very specific because back then in Jewish culture and in some Orthodox today, They follow the old rules, which means women can't be in charge and women have to be quiet and they can't actually speak in church. And Paul was trying to make sure that his churches wouldn't be getting burnt down, essentially, for what would have been considered an abomination of letting women participate in his churches. Paul shoehorns in a lot of things in contradictory ways. He also said in every version in Galatians, you know, 3.28, he very specifically and clearly says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That sure doesn't sound like there's only one way to worship, only two types of religion, only men can be preachers, or only two genders, does it? And if this can be applied to those that worship JC, 
why not apply it to the rest of the world? It seems that he really believes the teachings of JC are pagan because we know that if JC were here today, he would absolutely be backing up the people fighting for equity, diversity, and tolerance. What is it, do you think, that places like Wenatchee and Chelan are attracting these extreme bully pulpit preachers like Belcher and McPherson? By the end of his trash town hall, it is clear that Belcher couches his arguments for eugenics, taking away basic equality for women, and promoting dangerous rhetoric that leads to genocide by cherry-picking verses from whatever version of the Bible fits his narrative. People like Belcher count on his followers to never fact-check and blindly trust what he says, even when his own rhetoric contradicts itself. People like Belcher are the reason I don't follow Christianity anymore, because they taught me to hate myself for who I am. Anyway, thanks for watching the first Trash Town Hall. Remember to call out people like this who are nothing but charlatans attempting to lead you down a path of hypocrisy. I may not be in the faith any longer, but I can tell I've probably forgotten more about the Bible than this guy will ever know. As always, let's make progress. Hit that subscribe button to stay updated with us. And any sources we've used in today's episode are below or are available on our website at progressivedevilry.com. Are you a baritone? I'm looking forward to hearing you sing. Oh, <laughs> Give us an oldie hymn. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. I don't even know that. You know, what do I know about music? Baritone. I can't talk higher if you'd like. <laughs> that's, that's tenor. <laughs> no, I kind of forgot what I was going to ask. Oh, you've got, you've got some range. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs>